Well, kia ora tato. In this episode, we are talking with Liam Donnelly. Now, Liam's one of my all-time favorite communicators and uh, content creators, not just because he currently works at Rollicking Gelato, and I love gelato, but also because he takes this sort of approach to his communications that can be a bit dangerous, can be a bit scary for some content creators, where he taps into what society's talking about at the moment, what are the current trends at the moment, the zeitgeist, and leveraging that to draw attention to his product and his brand. And sometimes that means going a little bit off-brand. It sometimes means talking about stuff that might not be gelato or magazine-related and all the other clients that he works with in order to make sure that people are authentically engaged with. Now, he does this sometimes to stir the pot. He does this sometimes to draw attention to what he's doing. He sometimes even causes people to be upset and cause offense. But we talk about where that line is. How do you play in this space without actively going and hurting people? How do you work in this space without going and causing damage to your brand? Uh, And the sort of fine art associated with that. Uh, So sit back, enjoy, hopefully enjoy what Liam and I have to talk about. Quite uh, an in-depth and long discussion, this one, just because he is such a great communicator and what's lots on his mind so enjoy so kia ora Koto. thanks for coming back uh, today i am talking with the inimitable liam donnelly now liam is the current marketing creative for one of christchurch's most iconic brands which is rollicking gelato but you're already all also a dj videographer i saw mc media consultant <laughs> you were the former managing editor of the university of canterbury's student magazine canter uh, and you were also a part of the UCSA, the Student Association Executive, for a period of time. And above all that, you're a UC alumni, so, alumna, so you know, yeah, clearly that's the most important part. Um, but why I wanted to talk to Liam in particular is just because he kind of flies in the face of this on-brand message that a lot of marketers and a lot of brands insist upon, even the ones that are a bit more edgier still kind of go, you know, we, we, we have to be selling products the whole time. Well, well, your approach seems to be pretty different. So I wanted to have a chat about you, to you about that. And because I think you're a cool person, it'd be just cool to have a chat with you. So welcome, Liam. Thank you. Kia ora. Thank you for having me on. Um, what the intro. Wow. <laughs> man, you did better than I could ever do. Uh, I'll take that, though. Thank you. Yeah, you need a hype man. That's what yeah, you need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, and we're actually meeting in one of Rollicking's premises upstairs. And, and Rollicking's come about by one of these sort of uh, feel-good stories sometimes. It's you yeah, know, young yeah, young it's... man bought himself a food cart, was it, pretty much? Pretty so much, he... yeah. He, he um, did, he did it as a fundraiser originally for something at school. Um, I was the year above him, funnily enough, at the same school. And I, I remember when it first started going, oh, why would you do that as a young man? Seems boring. It won't kind of go anywhere. Real tall poppy syndrome type thing. And, you know, now he's my boss. Here we go. <laughs> does, does he remind you of this? Does he no, know? no, he doesn't. He doesn't. I keep that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, as always, I always like to start with a little bit of a time for Fuck with Nongatonga just to get to know you better. So, tell me more about you as a person and less about you as a marketing content creator. And you know, what's sort of drawn you to this sort of area of work? Ah. Oh. Gosh, well, um, I was at school, I was always the chatty one, um, loved drama and those kind of subjects, um, raised by two teachers, um, and I thank them for a lot of kind of how I've turned out to be, um, and yeah, and I, I don't know, I think kind of my quirky kind of, you know, I, my whole life sort of revolves around being silly basically and having a laugh and it kind of just manifested basically into what I do now and 
all, all the tasks I'm involved in, all the extracurriculars have just kind of manifested from never wanting to take myself too seriously, basically, is where it's come from. But it's, you've still been successful. I mean, it's not like one of these silly fly, flash in the pan sort of things. The, the engagement that Rollicking generates from this approach as well is, is pretty huge. It's not bad. Yeah, no, we, we do have it. We have a great following. Um, and, you know, I can happily say under my wings that has grown as well. Um, yeah, we have a really captive audience, which um, I know I think it helps, you know, being a brand that sells sweets and desserts and so on certainly helps sure um but yeah no we we have a really captive audience who hang on to every word we do which i think i think at the end of the day kind of allows me to be a bit sillier with it and and i wonder if that's that that's part of why you you're doing so well i mean not only does it fit with the brand but especially in the 80s through to early 2000s regardless of what the brand was the best you could ever be was quirky but definitely not silly you know maybe mm, mm. you could be playful but you couldn't be you couldn't mock your own self mm, you know mm, yeah. uh, and and that doesn't really resonate especially with a younger audience there's this dis- desperation for authenticity this desire to see something that's not constantly polished is is, is that sort of uh, no I, I would agree completely with that um because you know i think where we live in kind of the such hyper capitalist society and we, we're getting thrown branding in our faces kind of constantly mm. so there is this almost hunger that our brands can represent you know a more human touch and i and i truly do believe like like the power of humor and being fun is like the biggest tool a, a company can have um and i i have worked you know for a few companies and have done some freelancing stuff for very you know big serious corporations and it's just so i i don't know personally i just find it really boring and all that and there's no room for kind of personality there so you wouldn't be UC's brand manager anytime soon? No, probably not. <laughs> no, no. And, and, and I, I will fully admit, I have been in meetings where agencies have pitched quirky, less on-brand ideas to institutions like UC, which mm. is reasonably older and conservative in its approach. Mm, mm. Uh, and it's just fallen flat. It's like, you know, even if we think that young people would resonate with this, we as a brand cannot. And so when the, I guess, the Rollicking brand and the Cantor brand are young and the audience is young, it kind of meshes together and you can, you can get away with it a little bit. More. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I find universities funny because they are such a hub for younger people, but they, they don't come across that way. Um, and, and I guess partly that comes from you know, there there's a million and one stakeholders at a university and uh, so many big, important minds, basically. Um, and the perfect example of that was, of course, my my kind of publicity stunt I did with Cantor. Um, <laughs> I was going to get on to this. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, yeah. Let's, let's segue into that. This is so, a good segue. Yeah, well, what were you thinking? Uh, so, so for those who are not familiar <laughs> with Liam's work... Uh, in a nutshell, when you were Kent uh, uh, editor, you thought, oh, let's do a fundraiser. 
And one way we could do that is by offering an OnlyFans account where students could submit their naked pictures and they would get a cut of the profits. Now, obviously, I looked at that and thought, that's never going to work. That's a publicity stunt through and through. He's obviously just trolling people, trying to get a rise. And it worked like a charm. Yeah, well... Or were you serious? Or did you genuinely think this is a business model that could work? Like, uh, OnlyFans kind of was really taking off at that point. Um, And, like, I I found the whole concept of OnlyFans quite amusing, to to be perfectly (laughs) honest. Um, And it was at the very start of the year. um, And we're like, okay, let's gain some traction, kind of full canter, uh, before the the year starts, basically. And... Uh, so so we put up this post basically proposing this idea of a student communal OnlyFans account. Um, and, you know, we were back and forth kind of in the office saying, God, wouldn't this be funny, you know, <laughs> got picked up by the media type thing. Um, but we thought, you know, it's just a silly post and that's all sure. it would be. Um, and nothing sort of happened really for a week or so and then just suddenly we started getting questions from a few people and it really snowballed from there and I would say it's the first time well really the only time that like how I had dreamed something of going it went perfectly <laughs> like that so we ended up first page front page on the press yep. on a weekend so Perfect. prime time um and people really taking the the idea seriously um and i i fully went along with it i was like any publicity here why not but and it was funny because that was a student magazine and you know student publications at any university have like quite a storied history and aren't shy of controversy um and i just remember like Monday back in the office uh, and you know there were a lot of people coming to visit and so on and, uh, and you know I was being told of stakeholders in the v- university here and there were you know really concerned and they didn't want to they kind of wanted to put the brakes on any money they're funding to certain bits of the university um, which kind of really opened my eyes up I think gave me a bit of a reality check and quite how many people are involved in a university that aren't necessarily just students. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it was complete nonsense and it should have been taken that way. But realistically, some people don't. And, and I wonder if it's... This is the nature of that generational divide as well. And when you add in technology, you, there are people who just hear what they have heard or they just read and believe that's what it is and don't think actually this is a piss take this is mm. a publicity mm. stunt and they go oh my goodness I'm sending my student to UC or I'm sending my uh, daughter or son to UC and they're going to be making pornography yeah. uh, and that's what they're teaching them and I, I don't know if you were ever in on them um, but usually the UCSA gets me in at the start of the year to talk to the executive and all the club's leaders and just basically talk about good behavior online, you know, mm, because you're mm. no longer just representing yourself as an individual, but yeah, a, yeah, a whole yeah. blah, blah. And I usually start with, I am only here because usually when you guys stuff up, I'm asked to come clean it up. <laughs> and the amount of phone calls I had to take because of you at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm just, I'm just listening to these people complaining and going, 
this is hilarious. Surely you see it for what it is, but people took it really seriously. And and I think that that I don't know if it's the that anger or just that faux outrage just fueled it even more. And I think fueled you a completely, bit. Completely, completely. <laughs> I, I got you know, I rode that wave most of the year to be quite honest. Um and and you've made a really good point there. And as a you know, generational divide when it comes to technology, I think. Like, I was on my radio show, I talked about um, Hamilton's deputy mayor, who yesterday in a council meeting didn't realise his camera was on and he's wandering around topless in his house. Brilliant. Um, And my point was, you know, we've kind of, we're in about year three of everything being Zoom, on Zoom and Zoom meetings and Skype meetings and so on. And, you know, people are still making these you know, fluff up basically. And and I remember back when kind of the pandemic really started becoming a global issue and how many videos were coming out of people doing things on camera that they didn't realise they were doing. The first one I remember was the lady who turned herself into a potato. And, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> and then yeah. from there, I mean, there was the lawyer cat, which was uh, yep. perfect. There's the person who went to the toilet live on. Yeah, and was, yeah, all sorts yeah. of these random things. But and this was and this is very much the any publicity is good publicity or people do things because it's funny. Mm, um, mm. Whilst 10, 20 years ago, that sort of stuff would try to be scrubbed straight away. Oh, completely, yeah. yeah. Um, and my, because my first ever job was with uh, Telecom before it was Spark. Oh my goodness. Um, and, you know, that that is a very... That's a that's slick a corporate mammoth machine. corporate corporation here in New Zealand. Um, and, like, that was such serious times. I think it was at that point I went, oh, I can't. I can't do this, you know. It's so there's got to be a better way to reach people. Yeah. Um, and I do think at the end of the day, that is just like, like for example, you know, uh, with a lot of the social media I do for yeah. Rollerking, I use um, I and me. Yeah. You personalize it. You yeah, humanize it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you, you personalize it. Like but you that. also put yourself in a lot of the content as well. Like yes, your predecessor yeah. was very much here are the customers, while you are here as me as part of Rollicking. And I don't know if people realize that this is you as the media creator, though. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And and they almost I think I'm accomplishing my job if they don't kind of consider me as mm. the marketing guy, basically. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just some rollicking person basically <laughs> just rollicking person um is there is there ever a time you've gone oh shit we've gone too far like i mean do you have like topics that you say i i would never go there this is not appropriate or do you come up with an idea and then in your head you kind of see where the radar and the gauge is and then go for it or do you just put up what goes on in your head and hope it flies and if it doesn't you you apologize about it what's what's the process yeah is there a process? yeah I, I i definitely think there are kind of certain things you would avoid um like a great thing and you can do this in a humorous way is riff off current events and news and so on but um as we know at the moment there's so much sad news and so much sad things going on and generally like a, a very simplistic rule but like if you can't kind of make a joke out of it or you know, laugh or smile about it, steer clear of it. Yeah. Um, and that also goes for, you know, 
it, it can't be a joke at someone else's expense sure. as sure. well. And I and I think that's where a, a lot of controversy comes from. And mm. I, I feel like comedy itself at the moment is going through this real big change where like a lot of jokes in the past we realise, you know, we're at someone's expense and we kind of don't live in that world anymore because we are so hyper-connected now. Well, uh, you know, my wife and I, we're in our 40s, grew up through our teens and 20s watching Friends, the most, you know, iconic sitcom there mm. was. Mm. My kids who are teens, they cringe every time Friends is on. They're like, ah, oh, you can't, you can't say that. And we're looking at it now with new eyes going, yeah, 20 years later, this didn't age well, some of this sort of no, stuff. No, and it's really interesting because it is sometimes on in our house and, like, it is kind of framed as a powerhouse, mm. like, show. And I remember... Friends was relentlessly on TV too growing sure. up as a kid. Uh, and you do look at it now and you go, oh wow. You, um, you can't fat shame. You can't make fun of the transgender person, you know, which was. No, which were, and were it things was that, hugely something it did really. And, you know, it was an all white cast <laughs> as well. And uh, it was such lacking in diversity, basically. Um, and, and I do. Like, I am kind of sort of a futurist thinker, I yep. think. Um, I've done a million and one different personality quizzes and this and that in my time. It's all, most of it's probably faux science. But anyway, I, I do think I'm kind of a bit of a futurist. So I do kind of take in this idea of what's going to be a context in the future. Sure. Like, like what will last, you yeah. know? And this comes to the permanence of technology as well. Like, mm. if you did something now, like the OnlyFans thing will probably be harder to find, but it'll never disappear. If mm. someone decides to bring it up, it will be brought up whether you're you're 25 or, or 65. Something yeah, come yeah. Um, so you've got to be super careful about it. Oh, you, you yeah. do. And there, there is... Yeah, you can find anything on the internet now, many, many years later. I mean, OnlyFans may not be you know a platform in mm. 20 years time but, but the idea and the concept yeah, yeah yeah it will still remain basically do you think that, does that would that make marketers boring though like always worried about what this would look like in 10 years 20 years time is there do you think there's an opportunity just to be silly in the moment oh i i definitely i definitely think there is um but i i won't lie it's definitely always in kind of the back of my head sure, of course i think um and like I, I myself am a queer person, and we're, we've been, and you know, I, I do talk to queer people of an older generation, and you know, their perspective on the queer community, and you know, people like themselves are so different to like how I view the rainbow community now. And it's amazing, even in the groups you relate to, how much that changes. Mm. So I do think you have to accept that a lot of that is going to be out of your control. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and not everything's going to look as good in 20 years as it does now. Um, but, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, it is a compromise of kind of both. Just doing what you want in the now and, you know, thinking about future context. Sure. It, it, like, honestly, everything in the world is somewhere in the middle there. Yeah, there's going to be something. Really? Yeah. Uh, and that... 
the queer context in particular, I, I, you came out on Roller King, you know, uh, and it, you didn't come out on Roller King, you came out ages ago, mm. but you, one of the stories was, I'm, I'm gay, you know, and you came out. And I know you from pre-Roller King times, so I'm like, well, no shit, you know, <laughs> I mean, of course, but then this was all part of the, the engagement, I guess, and the humanization, but also mm. just taking the piss a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I still remember doing that and going. Talk to me about. That. Oh, I and you know it was it was honestly just a passing comment because um with our Dolly Parton themed you know gelato at the time and um you know Dolly Parton although a heterosexual white woman is you know a bit of a queer icon, icon anyways yeah. um. And I, I still remember going, oh God, should I, should I say this? Like, I was trying to get her attention basically. And I was like, as a gay man, I will be relentless about this. Um, and yeah, it's very interesting. Cause I was like, oh God, like, do I, do I say that? Um, are you, will that alienate some of our audience who, you know, just want to see our product and don't want this, you know, whole gay revolution type thing you know almost um so it was it was funny but at the end of the day i i committed to it because you know you can only ever see things from your own perspective sure. you can sympathize with others perspective but you can only ever see it from your own and would i you know have a chuckle if i saw a brand you reveal a little bit about someone personally in it yeah uh you know for for a gag or yeah for a reflection of a product or something and i thought yes at the end of the day like i would find that amusing and i'd find that funny um so i just went with it basically but, um, and i think a good litmus test sometimes is to go let's say i was told off for doing something would i still be okay with being told off or if mm. there was negative press about rollicking being supportive of the queer community yeah, bring it on. <laughs> it yeah, seems like a yeah. weird thing to oh, be upset about. Completely. You know? Um, but that's the thing. Uh, I think I think with technology and because you are at this you're talking to an individual, but doing that, you know, twenty thousand times over or whatever. Sure. sure. And, and you know, I kind of I don't think I think about the me like kind of the media reaction to that so much as I used to, mm. and I now think a lot about kind of individual people's reactions. Yeah, uh, which is a very weird concept, and it's still something I'm getting used to because um, uh, I don't know. I think I think behaviour on social media has changed so much, and it does. Sure. evolve so much and you're never going to completely always be at the forefront of it of course um, and a huge thing for me was kind of that shift to TikTok yeah uh, which is a whole new world um, and it's not it's not like your typical news feed mm. that you get on Facebook and Instagram and you know I I, I always say I'm in this funny spot where um, I have been around for the internet's been around basically my whole life but I still remember back in the day mum saying to my brother hey can you um, turn off the computer so I can you know use the phone yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of lived in those 
two different worlds. And I do so much still face to face that it's not like that on social media sometimes. Um, And so I, I kind of, I, I think I'm, I overshare as like compensation for that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not necessarily fully gauging, you know, how it all works, but just overshare and you'll be fine, you know, <laughs> basically, is my approach. And I recognize it's not common, I don't think, but it's, I, yeah, and it's the companies and the brands, you know, I've worked for and so on. And, you know, being a radio DJ at the same time, uh, certainly they they play off each other quite differently because radio is like an older platform now, sure. I think. Um, and it's kind of translate. And uh, I'm a solo DJ, so I don't it's, do the show with someone. Sure. Um, so a lot of it is kind of either interviews or you're talking about yourself and your own silly experiences you're almost interviewing yourself and I, I mean I've heard you show a bit obviously other talk back it's so tough trying to fill up a, a couple of hours slot of talking yeah and there's no yeah. one to talk to no it can be really difficult um, and so you do have to kind of reach for those you know stranger moments in your day and kind of contextualize those it's incredible for like reflecting on your own life type thing and <laughs> you, you you just don't want to go down a hole on a no, really depressed exactly. day no, no, <laughs> the yeah, next yeah. thing you're doing you're doing therapy with yourself yeah yeah oversharing oh yeah no i'm a chronic oversharer but i think um i think it can really work for a brand you know sure it does humanize you at the end of the day you, you can't see yourself going on ZM and competing for Hoskins' spot. You, RDU is probably fine for now. Yeah, it's, it's fine for now. Um, I, and I, I just, at the end of the day, I don't think I have as many opinions as someone like Mike Hosking, to be honest. Um, I recognise my privilege and know when I should shut up sometimes. It's <laughs> not for me, basically. Oh, brilliant. Um, I get the impression that you as a person or you as a, uh, in your mahi, in your work, you don't switch off easily. Like, it seems like whenever I'm chatting with you or if I'm ever engaging with you online or whatever, there's always a, a, an, an instinct for content. There's instinct to, to see what's out there, what could be something that could be shareable. But I also know you work the, the proper hours for social media in that, I mean, I was here last night with my wife grabbing some dessert. I created some content and I shared it on my story like mm. a good friend that I am and then within seconds you had shared it onto mm. the Rollicking mm. page you know it's like dude it's 8.30 9 o'clock switch off for a bit just just quit working for a bit but I think you're it, it suits the audience but it can't be healthy for you how do you how do you find that balance yeah well that, that's interesting and I I'd be lying if I see that I've found that balance completely um but that is that is the thing like hours of um, oh, how do I say this? Like the the traditional work hours mm. are very different from the traditional social media hours. Um, and you, we can look at all our analytics and so on. And you know, our audience on social media doesn't kind of wake up, isn't lively until about midday, one pm type right. thing. 
So um, nine to five is not going to work. You missed no, half your exactly, audience hours. Exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was. It, they go against each other at the end sure. of the day. There, there is no kind of cohesion or cooperation there. Um, and yeah, I, I just think. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, quite honestly. Uh, but yeah, I I don't switch off much, <laughs> to be quite honest. Well, and I was just thinking about this question before I asked it. I'm like, I really should have taken a photo of you with the microphone so that there's something that you could take away. I'm like, no, Akon, you're not Liam. You don't need to do that. But I will. I'll take it. For <laughs> yeah, no, so, well, exactly. Exactly. Um, and it is really interesting. You start thinking of everything as, you know, a content opportunity. Yeah. Um, and you do sometimes, like well, like really, it's people around me who are just like, stop thinking about that for a moment. Just, you know? just chill. Like, yeah, just be yeah. in the moment. But uh, you also riff off the content that's created by people as well, that user-generated content. Completely, and the, yeah. and the thing that I think Rollicking or you've been able to achieve in particular is people just feel so. Um, over the moon to be exploited sometimes. Like my daughter's friend took mm. a photo of gelato and then shared it on this Instagram story. Rollicking as a brand shared it and they lost their shit. They're like, oh my mm. goodness, we mm. feel like heroes, we feel like celebrities. And you're like, don't tell them, but we share lots of stuff. You know? <laughs> like, but, people, <laughs> but, but it's kind of like people feel glad to be creating content for you. Uh, oh, it's, it's a, you've, you've got people around your fingers. It's amazing. It's a really like I would I would love to know the psychology around that really, because um, I remember last weekend I was out at um, a local food joint that I do quite like going to, um, and I kind of almost po- always post something on like an Instagram story or whatever of the food because it's quite aesthetic. Sure, um, and I remember. I, I hadn't gone for oh maybe about a month, month and a half type thing and I went back last weekend and I took a photo and they reshared it with the caption, um, nice to see you back. Oh. And you do get you do get those endorphins <laughs> from it. You're like, oh my god! But I feel I feel focused on as an individual. Yeah, I feel yeah. I feel connected to. And and I think that's a huge tool for brands to. Sure. Utilize. But I, and, you know, I teach this in the digital marketing sort of space. You know, social media is about being social. Mm. If all you are is an ad, people will treat you like an ad and no one likes ads. I completely. But, but if you treat them as in, I want to engage with you, not your content, but with you, and yes, yeah. the content is the conduit for this, then you're going to have a stronger relationship. Oh, and that's absolutely. a great example of that. Completely. Um, and I, I think uh, to go back to TikTok, I think that's actually a really valuable tool of TikTok and why it's taken off so much is um, I can talk on there and I, I do, um, you know, do voiceovers for a lot of the videos yep. we produce and so on. Um, and that is almost like you are talking to someone. Yeah. You know, I'll make, I'll, I'll comment on, you know, I'll make a silly remark about, you know, um, just for example, my most recent one, you know, made a comment about if life gives you lemons, uh, put them in a G&T type thing. Um, and, which is something I would say in normal conversation yeah, sure. to someone. Uh, and so that, for a brand to now be able to do that is 
really like incredible um and so it's a really special tool i think that some uh, not not everyone's kind of clued on to i think how do you handle the toxicity though i mean it seems like every platform which encourages that sort of voice especially the 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 two-way voice you're gonna have people that are just out there to to make you feel shit about yourself i mean does it does Mm. it actually affect you i mean i i've pretty much got used to it and i just ignore it it's quite fun to to encourage it sometimes but oh completely and and sometimes like it is fun to you know encourage it a little (laughs) bit and eat them on um but it is it's really strange where suddenly everyone is your biggest critic you know um and i'll be lying if sometimes it didn't stress me out type thing uh like i remember as an editor you know you you put a comma in the wrong place you know double space somewhere where you didn't mean to and you could kind of recover from that Mm. uh but like because people at the end of the day don't sort of notice that thing in print but um on on a digital platform everyone has the opportunity to reply to you and stuff and that i mean that's the flip side of being so personable and so social sure is that not all social interactions are friendly um (laughs) But yeah, I, I think it just comes with the territory, really. Yeah. Um, and some people, I, I can understand like why some people stress over it, and rightfully so, some yeah. people should stress over it. Um, but I, I guess I'm, I'm blessed in the sense that I can brush that stuff off and it doesn't affect me too much. I think the nature of the brand as well lends itself again to not worry about that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. While if you were meant to be an on-par, on-brand, organization Mm. the whole time anything negative has to be scrubbed but that is again inauthentic um part of the 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 gelato uh, brand narrative whatever you want to call it is this idea of linking it with current events like you spoke about Mm, mm. uh you've had political flavors come up you know so the jerry brownlee brownie yeah uh, you know jerry brownie (laughs) the jerry brownies there you got jacinda's uh cinnamon bun uh we've got the um you had Ashley... Yeah, we had Ashley Bloomfield's uh, apple pie, which I call the Apley Bloomfield pie. And they vetoed? Well, no, I just decided to call it <laughs> Apley. <laughs> um, uh, is there... I mean, what's the process in coming up with these... The, uh, the, the, is it driven by the flavour? Is it driven by the event? Is it a bit of a coming together of... of... Um, well, yeah, it's an interesting point, really. Uh, I, I'm a lover of the English language, sure. first of all. Like, I love, you know, twisting words, you know, thinking of new words. You know, the thesaurus is my greatest friend type thing. <laughs> um, and we do... How, how sort of the process works? So there are the occasional kind of flavour planning mm-hmm. meetings where everyone sits down and we kind of go... Right, what is popular, what has been popular, what haven't we tried, what could we try, mm. you know. And, you know, food trends, there are fruit, new food trends all the time, so we go, right, what, what's something we can riff off type thing. And, I, and it, it, basically the root of it all is the flavour, and then you go, sure. okay, we've got this flavour, what's happening right now? <laughs> um, 
my my big thing is alliteration sure you know guide yourself with alliteration i say that's the best way to go about it um and yeah and then you kind of just go you get you do at the end of the day have to be quite imaginative and creative with it and just you're skewing whatever you're doing currently with current events like there's always going to be a connection somewhere you just kind of have to find it I think and so and again with those current events we talked about where the line is like I would never recommend any brand, regardless of how quirky and silly they are, they play around with like Russia, Ukraine at the moment. No, doing doing a Putin thing. But uh, I I know that um, rollicking like most uh, companies out there has has been following the vaccine mandate. That's coming to an end. I mean, is there something on the cutting room floor that's like a how do we welcome back the anti vaxxers <laughs> You know, yeah, <laughs> is there yeah, a flag? Yeah. I mean, where's that line could turn up and and kind of go? Let, let's have a really salted caramel flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there? I, I don't know much about the trucking community, but I imagine it's a lot of crystal meth and, yeah. and and energy drinks. So I was thinking on the way over, oh, a Red Bull and popping candy flavor would actually work <laughs> yeah. quite well. You know, but that that might upset people, but it might work as well. I mean, what's yeah, that? yeah, like it's funny you bring that up because um, we were really kind of trying to twist something in reference to the protests, yeah. like the anti-mandate protests that were going on. Um, but, and, and the thing is, like, you, at the end of the day, we just kind of concluded there'll be some portion of our audience that feel alienated by that sure. type of thing. And we also know that that group is reasonably well organized on social media like if they decided to take offense as opposed to ha ha we get the joke yeah and they decide to brigade then that can affect a lot of your presence and your presence online is 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 powerful not to be afraid of that but you don't need the headache just from Um, a joke on that yeah and that's the thing like there is things like that that you can choose to do that relevant and affect a certain group of people or you can flip it the other way and go what affects most of us sure and at the moment you know that is cost of living that is you know (laughs) petrol prices um and so we've done a lot of content recently about our coffee you know it's the only fuel that's cheaper than (laughs) actual fuel at the moment you know those sort of things and uh, and I think the trick there is trying to find the most common denominator. Sure. Um, what can kind of everyone rally behind? Yeah. Uh, so, we're and for for a while we did you know um, we gave out free scoops to those going to get the vaccine. Sure. Yep. Um, and you know it, with with you know looking back. You might go, oh, what's that controversial, you know, because there's an elevated voice now, you know, mm-hmm. of, um, you know, anti-vaccine, anti-mandate people. But no, at the time, you know, it worked really well and everyone was aiming to get their vaccines and that worked really well for us. And now we're doing kind of focusing, you know, on the petrol thing, because sure. that's funny. Like, it sucks that petrol's expensive, but we can make a joke out of that because... We know for the overwhelming majority of the population, it's something 
they can experience themselves as well. They know that you are making a joke out of it, while the leader of the opposition saying something like bottom feeders, no, this guy's meant to be a serious uh, person, you know, you can't refer to poor people like wait blah 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 so again it must be brand um, perspective as well and yeah, also the, yeah, the nature exactly, of the following exactly. um i used to ask people you know what what breaks their heart at the at the moment you know because you know try to find out what are the things that are really paining people and what are the solutions that mm, might exist mm. and they just got super depressing and i, I ended up hating myself <laughs> more than anything <laughs> yeah. so I, I like to finish with asking you know what, what do you think's giving you hope at the moment what's what's kind of you as a as a media crea- uh, content creator, media person, or as rollicking, what, what, a marketing person, what, what gives you hope for the future? Uh, God, see, the funny thing is it's easy to answer the other questions. Of course it is, it? that's why I'm not asking. Um, <laughs> oh, what gives me hope at the moment? Um, there's kind of been, and even I could criticise this if I really got down to it, but you know, there has kind of been this global global kind of outcry against Russia and mm. its invasion of Ukraine and, you know on a huge level kind of that I don't think I've seen you know people are really genuinely outraged by this and I, I can't remember kind of last time that so many countries you know have put sanctions sure. on Russia and all that and I, I find that and, and you know I did study political science at university so there is like a personal fascination with that as well yeah. but there is to some degree a bit of hope there I sure. think um, sure. that at the end of the day the overwhelming majority of the world and people in it do just want peace and mm. you know have a moral guidance of yeah. some sort and going right back to one of your first comments at the expense of capitalism, you know, yes. as in like, I will lose money on my brand by yes. doing this, or yep. I will lose money in my share shares mm, mm. by pulling them out of this area. Um, but I'm willing to do that because I, I believe in what's right as well. So that's really yeah, cool. yeah. And I think it is this reflection, this shift in kind kind of capitalism now, where we want capitalism, but we want it, you know, moral capitalism as sure. well. You know, and and we talk so much more about you know um equal pay mm-hmm. and you know and at particularly at rollicking we go through a lot of chocolate you know and we now you know want chocolate from fairly traded sources and mm-hmm. so on and um i and i think you know this whole you know russia ukraine incident is shining a light on you know we do actually care about how our money circulated sure um although we still love money we love it in a more you know caring way now is that is that the nature of privilege though in that i have enough to survive and so the discretionary i can choose where that goes as well oh completely i i I totally think there there is a reflection there that um I can care where my money comes from because I have so much of it, so many options. Um, And then again, we can, uh, and I would sit here and I will probably sit here and, you know, pick apart my whole just comments I've made there. Um, And that's because there is, you know, deep layers to kind of everything, I think, with that. Um, But, you know, there, there shows some small iota of morality there. 
yeah. Maybe that's all I can ask for in this day and age. <laughs> just a, a little bit of hope. Yeah, just a little bit. Well, thank you so much, Liam, for taking the time to chat. Something that we didn't get a chance to talk about is how much better a photographer your chef is than you. And that the, almost the soap opera <laughs> that you have as in, wait, I'm meant to be the person that's in charge of this. And you're meant to be good at flavors, but he is actually taking better photos than yeah, me. Yeah, don't even get me started on that. I do feel a little guilty sometimes, like, oh, maybe you should have my job. Um, <laughs> but no, again, that was, that's just something I'm like, yeah, I'll take that opportunity. I'll do something with that. <laughs> just got, it's been great listening to you. And like I said, um, this idea that brand authenticity, messaging, especially the way that you engage, I think is so current, but also so suited to both the brand that you're representing, the brands you're representing, but also the audiences you're trying to reach. So hopefully this is going to be useful. I, as a marketing professor, would not recommend this strategy for Saatchi and Saatchi for every... (laughs) I don't think ANZ's going to take the I'm coming out What, really? (laughs) What a shame. Well, I mean, this is a completely different subject, uh, and maybe we can talk about this, but like when you we we did some study on this uh, some studies on this with the rainbow community when these big brands that are very cold and corporate suddenly get all behind pride Mm. week and then Mm. shut down straight Mm. away afterwards Mm. that smacks more of inauthenticity than doing nothing at all yeah Yeah. so the fact that you can be authentic throughout is better than going let me jump on the bandwagon because it's socially acceptable yeah Yeah. i i couldn't agree more really it's um like you're either always authentic or just just don't bother really yeah. and, and the last thing you want is to be using people as either in a trite manner or tokenistic manner both of them are uh, bad as each other oh completely and I, I do think there, there is still so much of that so, um, and, and we're meant to be finished because I've said thank you but like, I mean <laughs> yeah. is, is there a market for this is there a market for uh, not necessarily a rainbow focused media outreach or something like that but is there a is there a, a need for a consulting organization that says we're uh, unapologetically authentic and that means upsetting people sometimes oh completely i and i i do think there's a market there and there is and the thing is i because there are so many um kind of marketing agencies now and advertising agencies and they do go for you know from the outlook, you know, really quirky and modern and contemporary kind of places. And then, you know, they pitch to you the same kind of really sleek corporate kind of branding. <laughs> um, and so I do think there is a market there and no one's actually perfected kind of that model well, yet. There's, there's your opportunity for the next steps in your career once you get bored with this, you know. Yeah, exactly. No one steal my idea. Well, well, I'm pretty sure that was my idea. Yeah, but well, yeah. <laughs> I'm claiming that was my I, idea. I, I, I think I will generally call this episode unapologetically authentic. And if you decide to call your consulting company that, then I'll take 10%. So anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Kia ora, Liam. Really appreciate the time to chat. Hopefully people have found this interesting and enjoyed it. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Can't yeah, thank you all. for having me. Yeah.